The Mud Peddlers, a podcast where two nerdy ceramic artists share the behind the scenes of their worlds of clay. We're your hosts, Lindsay M. Dillon. And I am Dante of Earth Nation. Today is going to be a little bit of a different episode. First of all, Dante's wife is bringing a new person into the world as we speak. So it is just me today. But I have a very special guest named Sue Bean. So Sue Bean, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about your work. And by the way, audience, since my brain is apparently scrambled right now, the reason we're doing this interview is to continue our Insika preparatory interview series. Insika's in a couple weeks, which is absolutely insane. So uh, yes, yeah, so we wanted to bring in Sue Bean to kind of talk about his work and talk about the uh, studio that he opened up last year. Was that 2020? Uh, yeah. I guess, but... I guess 2020 was two years ago now. Yeah. <laughs> 2021, uh, but like within a few months, I think we're about on month six or seven, like oh right God. now for sure. But it's been wow. good, but yeah, 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 yeah. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about your work, you know, kind of how you got into clay and what themes you're, you explore through your work? Yeah, well, man, it's, uh, it's, been, <laughs> it's been a journey, like for sure. I, I got into clay at a really young age, I was pretty lucky. Mm. Um, I found it at um, age 14. Oh, nice. So, yeah, I had uh, grown up in Reno, Nevada. Mm. And we had a, like a, a pretty cool vocational program that was like behind our high school. And it had a metal shop, a wood shop, an auto shop. And they had a dope ass ceramics program that was in there too. Oh my God, um, that's amazing. Yeah, it was really, really cool. And so it was just kind of like an art one class. They give mm -hmm. you like a bunch of different stuff. And I had definitely always been interested in the arts. I grew up in an artistic family. Uh, my mom went to FITM, uh, Fashion Institute of Design oh, and Merchandise. Yeah, yeah. so um, she there was always like that thing. She was a hairdresser in the 80s, so she gave me license to be weird, like for sure. <laughs> um, and, you know, the, like I said, the family was always into stuff, was dancing, music. I have a pretty musical family. Oh. Um, I did not inherit like that side of the things, <laughs> which is fine. It's all good. Um, but yeah, so so it was all in there. And then um, uh, I had an art one class, but I was always like really bad at drawing. And oh. so, you know, I didn't like, I feel like I had... In areas that I grew up, or even when we're young and we're like inexperienced mm. with things, we have ideas of what we think art is, and it's usually on the second dimension. Yes, yeah. We let one of the last folks that we interviewed. We literally had that same discussion yeah. that it's like, oh yeah, you don't think you're an artist if you can't like draw, but it's yeah. like you don't realize as a young person that there's like all these other media out there. Exactly. So. Exactly. So clay was actually one of the great things, uh, mm. and I still really do like find that that's one of its most powerful things. But had had shown me a different avenue and then yeah. has, you know, just sort of from that age of 14, I was able to make things in the third dimension. So I was a classically trained sculptor and that's what I'm happy to be like really good at and yeah. specifically, uh, or was naturally good at, might I say, not really mm -hmm. good at, my bad. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> I mean, it can be both, it can be both. I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you can pump yourself up, it's good, you no, can pump yourself good. up. That's what I happen to just be naturally good at, that I, that I found that yeah. the Im images in my head could be made uh, with my hands for the most part of yeah. what I was going for, as opposed to the drawings that, you know, yes. were uh, yeah, quite yeah. abstract at the time. <laughs> sure. so, I feel you yeah, on that. I just ran with that, and then ever <laughs> since then, um, you know, I got really lucky to have people that were, like, around me and be close mm. to facilities like that in the high school. And yeah. I was able to gain a really big knowledge in all kinds of different mediums, but, like, still focused on clay. And mm -hmm. when it came up through the years, like I said, I was doing sculpture. And even then, you have these ideas of what you think art is, you know? And so you get onto this next part of things, and you're like, oh, I'm going to make, like, figurative sculptures. I'm going to do all mm -hmm. this kind of stuff because this is what, like... I view as fine arts, you know, yeah. it's the Michelangelo or the Donatello, mm -hmm. it's these like types of sculptures, <laughs> these types of things. And so, you know, you gear your work towards that way. And I don't know, uh, I think at one point I got, as I was moving up through the ranks 
and, and building more knowledge, 19, 20, 21, still mm -hmm. doing junior college classes. Like always, I always had a practice. So no matter what, I was always taking one semester of course wherever I could mm -hmm. or trying to do something. I worked at a paint your own pottery shop. Oh. Yeah, it was super dope. It was like, I feel like there's a lot of people who have this similar journey too as like ceramic artists. You know, yeah. they start dip, they found it young and they start dipping their toes mm -hmm. in everything that they can kind of see what's up. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I worked for an apprentice potter. I was an apprentice for like a studio potter for a minute and he yeah. paid me in piecework. And so that's, I got like, I didn't get good, but I was like able to figure out like a lot of the stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in a basis. Um, but was this when you were like, was this when you were still in high school? Was this like kind of moving like on into college? This was like when I was like 17, 16, okay. 17. So okay. yeah, I moved out of my house when I was pretty young, when I was like 16. Okay, wow. So uh, my last like senior year of high school, I was living on my own and I was doing things, various jobs that yeah, I good could. Good for you. Yeah, it was chill. Um, uh, worked as a, as a cook. And so I was like, a, a, I worked at a pizza place, like yeah. kind of classic across the street from my high school. <laughs> it was very quaint for sure. Um, and that, I had always had a love for food as well. And so there was a whole juggling of that kind of thing through my whole life as I went up. I would yeah. come up the ranks and learn things in the food industry because that's what was financially supporting any other things that I wanted to do rent as well as a studio yeah. or a semester's pay yeah, yeah, yeah. for, for uh, Clay. And as you know, you know, once you fall in love with Clay, like you're not. You're not really rationalizing things you spend like on, <laughs> on stuff anymore. You're yeah, just like, I need to feed this. I need to feed this. Yeah, whatever, whatever yeah. it takes to like. Make oh, this you happen. play? Oh, I'll yeah. definitely take oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> 100 percent. oh my gosh so yeah so you know you're just you know you're, that's what kept me through mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm. i i was really lucky and i think it sucks you know it, hindsight is always 2020 right and yeah, so yeah, yeah when you look back you know i got to be have a lot of cool experiences coming up through the ranks and building my career as a food industry person mm -hmm. and uh bartending and cooking and serving and from really low level fry cook and pizza mm -hmm. cook in Reno and then like coming to Sacramento and being able to learn about farms and farm to fork oh, and like yeah. I was with a very pivotal group of restaurant industry people that moved to San Francisco and the Napa like right like oh. mid 2000s and we all got trained by these celebrity chefs and worked in Michelin oh restaurants. Oh my god yeah. how cool. It was crazy like for the last like uh, almost coupling the same amount of time I think about 17 mm -hmm. 19 years I was in the food industry. Wow, yeah. I was been doing clay for about 22 23 years yeah, um, yeah and so you know they were always right neck and neck with each other but yeah i got to move up and, and do some really cool food industry stuff and so it was a career for me and then the same time doing the paint your own pottery shop mm -hmm. working for a studio apprentice bouncing around from being like a studio tech to junior college and then i came i came to sacramento i worked at a place called panama pottery oh yeah mm -hmm. and you so know, i think may have been where we like met for the first time I think because I was there like 2009 I think or 2008 when did you when were you there I was there let's see I moved to SAC in 04 05 and then I got a job there pretty quickly so it was probably around the same time 07 okay. yeah like and I was there for a few years most definitely I learned under Glenn Oh yeah. yeah. Oh. So Glenn, yeah. So it's really interesting to see like uh, his sons grow up. I've, I've definitely uh, mm. known and met them for a long time and wow. seen them through the years. But yeah, I, um, I I got to learn under Glenn for like many years, for probably a few years, and we did a lot of sculpture, and he definitely mm. like 
had changed my views when it came to art and fine arts and clay and what the whole world was. Because Glenn has an MFA and yeah, or had yeah, an MFA, you know, yeah. and uh, he worked with some very pivotal and was a great artist himself mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. hung in some dope places and, you know, <laughs> walked the halls and the streets with the greats and was trained yeah. by some of the greats and stuff. So it was, yeah. it was really an honor to be able to learn from him and, and spend time with him. I mean, we worked side by side delivering pots to rich people up on the hill and then, wow. you know, like sweeping up the, the shop in Panama Pari, the big mm -hmm. old place. And, you know, he shared stories with just like, you know, soldiers and like all the kind of different oh crazy people that were in Davis. Oh. Yeah, like dropping all the names, but yeah, it was fun. And yeah. Glenn was a party guy too, so it was fun. To, like, <laughs> really? Oh yeah, my gosh, I love that. Yeah, to kick back and like, he was not a straight laced dude for sure. He had his time and like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, he knew what was up and uh, he, he wasn't shy about it for sure. And so, wow. yeah, it was cool. That was a really cool time. But through all that same time, again, coupling, like sharing the thing and always dipping in sculpture and everybody was always pushing me to make functional work. And they're like, oh. yo, you work in kitchens. Why don't, you know, you cook food, you oh. serve food. Why don't you make functional work? And even then, before then, I was still in my time, my ideas of what art was were, you know, just askewed and they weren't yeah. trained and they weren't, I didn't have vocabulary for what I was trying to do. Mm. And so, you know, I was like, no, I make sculptures. Like I don't really make functional work. That's not my drive. Like yeah, that's my yeah. drive is not to set up the wheel per se. Mm -hmm. And it began conversations of me trying to explain to people how cool clay was. It was like, no, you got to understand clay is so multifaceted, dude. Like you don't have to be just a potter. Like, yeah. You can do these other, or not just a potter, but well, a potter yes, in yes, itself. Right? Yes, like, yes. And even within those things you know you're not understanding what potters do they're doing millions of types of different things to even mm -hmm. get to that vessel they just chose that way to build it or whatever yeah you know? yeah um and then you know everybody's like you're drunk like you know, <laughs> you're going off again sit down soon you're preaching you're talking about clay's gonna save the world oh um but yeah so that, that was that. my life for a long time and then moved it through but um finally you know Glenn was a really good inspiration in uh, deciding to to go through the uh, higher education and, yeah. and start to start to take that journey. I mean, basically, he was like, you were doing it for enough years. You have all this cross training. You have connections mm -hmm. with people. You know, I was older, so I think I was like 27 at that time. When you went to California College of the Arts? When I, when I moved to the Bay oh, and yeah. like basically decided mm -hmm. that's what I was going to do was I was yeah. going to go to CCA. Mm -hmm. And um, Glenn wrote one of my letters of recommendation oh, and wow. he went to school with Arthur Gonzalez. They both graduated from Davis together. Oh my um, God. I didn't yeah. That's so cool. And so they got their MFAs together or something like that. And so Arthur Gonzalez yeah. was running the department at that time. Oh, for ceramics, okay, so okay. it was like boom, boom, boom. Oh, I was coming God. in hot, coming <laughs> in great. hot for sure. Um, oh. And so yeah, I hung out in the bay for like three years, worked some more. I was like, oh, yeah. I want to party and show before I go to school, you know. Yeah, and yeah. Went to school, I think around like 30, 29, 30. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was great. Finished out my program. Like CCA was was dope. I got to meet like some of the best people, like influentially. Mm -hmm. It's funny. I mean, I made a lot, a lot of friends with like the grad students. Yeah. And just, I mean, it probably was just the age demographic, but there was like one or two people that were in my same thing rose ty she she makes great work um mm -hmm. she's down in la um but she was you know had done ceramics and grown up in similar situations as far as uh finding it in diff all throughout her life and yeah, was, was starting yeah. college a little bit later and mm -hmm. was like oh yeah i've been trained i've been doing this and somebody told me the same thing she had a mentor that told them the same thing they're just like you have all this training you have all this background you have connections there's a one last sort of step or key if you want yeah but can be very helpful for you and and it's you know it's finishing off these 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 uh, these higher educations. It will also yeah. help you start to think about things a little bit differently. Yeah. And that was really like the key form. Huh. Like the people use 
you know, their opportunities for whatever they want to use them for. Mm-hmm. And I went into the gate being like, yo, this is going to be networking. I'm going to connect all the things. Like, I'm going to, like, I, I mean, I don't know college. Like, I'm, only, I'm viewing, like, stuff that I see on TV. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I'm like, yeah, oh, my yeah. God, I'm going to get into some sort of clay fraternity. This is going to oh. be sick. Like, I'm going to have all these forever connections in there. And you can, you can do that for sure. And it's really, really beautiful for that. But when I got to step back and I was, I felt like I was really lucky as being somebody that was older mm. that, um, only because of the different kinds of experiences I had had throughout yeah. uh, and being able to look at what, what was going on and what, what the school was setting up for. They have such a huge cross-disciplinary program mm-hmm. that, like, that was really the coolest and biggest thing that happened is that I got to start to look at art and the world and design and figure and just, like, all of this oh. stuff in a completely different view. Like, it, mm-hmm. it, like, it snapped my view so many different ways. And it, it really gave me the vocabulary to, to be able to just explain what I wanted to do and then help me gather more tools in my bag to be able to present that because you know that's in general for the arts what we're trying to do right we have a view of the world Mm -hmm. and we're trying to however we can show everybody else what our canon is right whether it's through uh, aesthetics or sound Mm -hmm. or experience or any of those things um, and so, yeah, going to CCA, being able to to intermix with everybody mm. and walk the halls of like these people mm. that I was like down for, right? That was yeah. also like the clay and the clay, the clay geek in me and stuff. Like mm-hmm. we went to Viola Fry's studio. Oh my like, God. Yeah, it was oh sick. my God. It was so sick. Oh. Saw all of her like backwards work. Met her um, original assistant, you know, it was pretty cool. That's yeah. Was, so and that was like one of a million like oh dope my ass God. things. So, like oh definitely, my God. definitely super cool. Made, yeah. made endangered bird nest species for this really cool program you know, yeah. the Bonos, like program off of the uh on your nuevo so okay, down by yeah. happen bay right so, yeah right. so it was beautiful it was a cool and that's honestly where i got to fuse the two bodies of like really the bodies of work that i had been working on my entire life that i didn't know that that's what i was working on which oh. is food and this sort of sculpture yes that I was tell doing. me tell me about that like what was the how did that how did that come together for you well so i bef- right before i went to decided to like go go to college like I knew I was gonna I was in the bay I was living there for a few years I was working at this like top-notch restaurant doing my thing and I remember I was talking to a a cook friend of mine and people were giving me more opportunities in this really high-end area for me to Mm -hmm. really make a food career and I got to come in and it was a really high high you know I want to it was six years ago Mm -hmm. no oh god <laughs> Waste time. Yeah, because the two year gap, right? There was yeah, the exactly. two year, the two year gap. So no, yes, like seven years ago, eight years yeah, ago. Like, yeah. but there was a really high time for cooks and Bay Area cooks and mm-hmm. chefs coming up, and it was, and, you know, and us being able to explain things and do things in a different way and be multifaceted and be a bartender and you know have a really hardcore career, but you're also yeah. making things in the back of the house and people kind of see you as a chef, right? And having your own catering company, those are all like right yeah. there. So and it's so, like even even you're like food world is interdisciplinary <laughs> yeah no 100 yeah 100 100 and you know i i remember saying i'm gonna start school like next semester or the semester after and a chef friend of mine he's like oh yeah i didn't even think you were really gonna do that and i was like oh man i've had all these years of training like there's no way that i could i could you know walk away from that all yeah that. yeah like, yeah but you have all this training in the food industry and you're going to walk away from that. And I was just like, Oh damn, yeah, that's pretty hard. Like for sure. And so it definitely like bit me in the butt and like really made me like sort of think about what was going on in my world. Mm. You know, I obviously like was like, no, I got to finish off my stuff. You know, I felt like, 
the area that I was in the food industry that it was of like a management and ownership level of things almost. Yeah. And so yeah. I felt like that was something I could <clears throat> return to if I like felt, if you stepped away. Or if I felt like the yeah, if I stepped away for a little bit and yeah. I felt like, oh, you know, the college experience wasn't working out for me. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's go back. Um yeah. I wasn't losing time per se or yeah. a, a bunch of opportunities. It seemed like the business was go only going up, right? Yeah. And so I was okay with, with that in itself. When I had moved away and then I started to get a different view of what I felt like art was and what I was doing, different definitions of, of sculpture, yeah. um, different ideas of like ownership of like the type of artist that mm-hmm. I was too. Could you go into that a little bit more? Because you, you've mentioned that a couple of times about how like it really, your view of art and what art was and what sculpture was really changed. Could you like detail that a little bit more? Like kind of what was your view? I mean, I guess you kind of talked a little bit about what your view was before, but what was the, what was the shift and what did it like, what did it shift to? Yeah. So in the beginning ideas of what sculpture was, it was, it was in the, in a direct physical definition of like mm. additive and retractive things to a physical object you know okay. when i was chipping away or i was adding something to these things whether it was you know marble or clay or creating you know um, a sculpture at a found object or any yeah. of these things like it was a physical object mm-hmm. but when i got to think about it in a grander sense of being acts of service or acts mm-hmm. of performance then what i was doing was uh, i was working in a category of artists that do what's called social sculpture So I was creating either community or scenes or aspects of whatever I wanted to do, you know, uh, by by either doing all of these things, Mm -hmm. lighting, sound, Mm -hmm. object, hitting the senses on all on all sort of forms. And then and then I was molding and manipulating this sort of scene of what was happening. You know, it's like plays off of Dadaism and like sort of being weird and, you know, (laughs) but like. But it's, so, I love the, voc- like, again, we're talking about vocabulary, but I love the vocabulary of that because, like, I was trying to figure out, like, okay, how do I introduce some of what uh, Sue does? Because I know that you have done, at least the only vocabulary I've had for it is, like, performance art. Mm-hmm. But it's so much, like, more than that. So I like the idea of social social sculpture as a way of describing what you do. That's just, that's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I, yeah, I, there's a, a few artists that, like, keen themselves into that sort of idea in that area, and I, I thought that was cool vocabulary, and I, that was cool words. And I, I, I started to akin it, and that's where I started to draw a lot of the things and the training that I've done in food service that really mimicked and coupled that. So when we started to get into professional practice stuff, like in school, and it was basically, you know, it was great. It's great that this school would teach, you know, students and and young kids, like, how to set this stuff up. And there was a very formative person that that worked there. Uh, Her name was Edith Garcia, Hmm. great artist, fire teacher, like, just, like, great, great professor amazing top of the line like wow. made it you took came out of her professional practice class and you had like your full portfolio done your website your logo <gasps> you had all your artist statements done everything oh was all God. set up like it was it was intense like for sure she's Dude, but- very intense but it's just and it's things you don't even realize until you've gone through years of practice yeah. and go like oh shit i should have had that documentation all mm-hmm. these different things and mm-hmm. she just gets you set up in a rhythm and like almost like muscle memory of like okay now you do new stuff now add it to your folder now you do yeah. new stuff now add it to here now update your website mm-hmm. now move this around you know you can change your logo are you about something different now like yeah. move it around the just fact like, that there was even a professional like practices class yeah. is like God. I wish I'd had that because no, it's a, it's oh. yeah no, it's really amazing and it was an inspiration for things that I that I am trying to do with some of the stuff at the studio most definitely. But within that class, we were 
they were going over also aspects of your professional practice when you're installing. Mm. And so basically they're trying to get people to care about what your environment looks like or just okay. understand that like you as the artist are setting the entire scene up for everything from all of the beginnings, from your professional mm. practice, from your postcards, from how you light the studio. When the moment that they walk through the threshold of the gallery or whatever mm -hmm. it is, boom, that's your art piece. And it's already started right there. Yeah. And so when they said stuff like that, I was like, holy shit, you sound like my general manager at like a Michelin star restaurant. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. yes. All the way around, I was like, damn. And that was the, when we worked at Michelin star restaurants, the, always the idea was, was that it was an experience we were creating. Yeah. From that super fine dining service, the hyper knowledge, the sort of like, a fork doesn't hit the floor without five people getting it, without you even knowing. Yeah. They call it soise. It's like this weird French goofy term where everybody kind of like moves in a dance and it's a real big oh. dance sort of clockwork thing and it's really beautiful like as you're inside of it and when you know it like sort of see how the sausage is made as yeah, say, whatever, yeah. and, and you're a part of the system and stuff it's mm -hmm. it's a really pretty thing to like be a part of it's it, you know it's performance art and so all of that shit just sort of clicked together in like one Ooh, moment where i was so like cool. holy crap Ooh. like i've been trained for all of this stuff my entire career of, of what I've been doing. It's also one of my hugest passions, working in the food service and yeah. food industries and social justice when it comes to those things. Mm -hmm. And then I've had this like super loud voice, this aesthetic knowledge, this sort of drive to create and engineer mm -hmm. and make things and want to do weird shit. And like, how was I going to create all those two? And it just all mm -hmm. sort of came together right there. It was like, cool. Well, I feel empowered enough to call myself an artist to start grabbing onto multiple terms and labels of what kind of art, mostly because I was knowledgeable about it. Yeah. And so I think that's what like a bigger thing about it was, is that I was shocked to shit to understand <laughs> that like when you go to art school or when you do a very heavy art program, mm -hmm. I had really done and leaned into the thing of being like, yo, I'm going to get to make as much shit as I want all day. That is a complete side thing. You write so much and you <laughs> read so much. Yeah. It's so intense, the amount of reading and writing that you do. From what I've read and statistically, like an art major is like the third most dropped out and like anxiety ridden major <laughs> underneath like lawyers wow. and doctors oh my god mostly because anybody who has phd programs or works with the bar you have to do the same amount of like general education right plus you have lab which is our studio time right which we're also trying to bid for professional practice like designers are trying to get their apprentice or designers are trying to get yeah. their internships the residents are trying to get into the residency programs, yeah, right? Yeah. The artists are trying to get into the residency programs. So you just have double on double on double on double work. Oh like God. you're never, that's why most of the studios in those places that you have access to are 24 hours. Yeah, yeah. Because you need, you yeah, need that you time. Just, you have yeah. to squeeze it in when you can. Yeah. So I got really lucky because I'm dyslexic. Oh. And so <laughs> I uh, learned to like train myself to learn auditory. So I like listened to all my books. Oh. So I got to double up on all my work. Dude, oh my God. Was, That's I got really great. lucky. Yeah. That's great. I got really lucky. Like and again, a life's training of yeah. something, right? <laughs> like ended up paying off really hard yeah, for in art yeah. school. So I would sit there and just in the studio listen to all of my homework and my readings that I needed to do. And then, you know, yeah. I could and then I could go to work and work sixteen hours at the bar or the oh, in, you know, at the, the restaurant or whatever. Um, but sense. yeah, it, it really helped me to start. It was it was a great like moment. 
it was funny, like I said, to to know and understand that like when you get into art school, you have to write and read so much. And so yeah. you're so knowledgeable. Like, and yeah. that's that's mainly what, you know. And for me, who has the type of personality that I have where I really crave knowledge mm-hmm. and I really am trying to do as much as I can to set that scene, mm-hmm. you, then you really do get another big like resurgence in respect for the artists that came before you. Because yeah. you're now understanding what they already understood in yes. those moments. Like, oh, you were super weird and all of these other <laughs> things happened for this reason because you knew that you already were creating the scene like in that stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. So now you can dismantle the th- that kind of thing, you know, pick out the parts that were good, leave away all that other bullshit, <laughs> you know? Um, and then, yeah, and then yeah. make steps forward and leaps forward, you know, and hopefully uh, hopefully make new make new grounds, you know? So it's it's been fun. It's been a cool journey to to cook food for people and make plates and have them break them. And wow. <laughs> yeah. So, so what, when did you start? Well, I guess, was it at CCA that you started doing the, the, the social sculpture where you, cause, cause I guess for, for folks who haven't seen your work, like, how would you describe the work that you do now, like, with food and with, like, the breaking? Because, like, I, I I read about some of it because, of course, I was, like, researching before I go into an interview. Um, but for our dear listeners, you know, how would you describe, like, what your what those pieces are for you? For sure. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I started to get into um, right at the end of my program. Um, I was really just, like, super, super getting into exploring where, where my world's connected when it came mm-hmm. to the food service industry and it came to work uh, or to ceramic artwork. I was really understanding the differences between certain words like clay and ceramics Mm. and like i know that i really love clay like clay is really strong for me and it's the things within clay that are very powerful and all the things that clay can do Mm -hmm. Uh, ceramics is all these other types of things it's not that i don't like clay when it's fired or anything like that it's just i when people refer to me i'll usually say i'm an artist that works with clay as opposed to like a ceramicist or a potter or a maker or things like that um but um I was experimenting with all the ideas of of food service. I was getting into, I've always been in general, like pretty loud. I have a big energy Mm -hmm. when it comes to stuff. And I, um, I, 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 I don't like to see, I like to stand up for certain sort of programs for sure. Like, mm-hmm. um, uh, I don't want to be the, um, the instigator of things, but you know, if things are unjustful in the world, then I have no problem like talking about shitty things or bringing them up. Yeah, you know? I mean, yeah. my name in itself, Sue Bean is a specific like address of certain conversations. Um, and so while I was in school and living in Oakland and just the stuff that I grew up as, as a, Filipino Mexican as a brown individual mm-hmm. and living in different kinds of communities. Um, you know, I've always been down. My family came from a Filipino and Mexican from the lower central Valley. And so they mm-hmm. came into the state to work the fields like during mm-hmm. the depression, that kind of stuff. And so I've always been a part of the proletariats. And so I've always been a part of the, of the lower labor class and the working yeah. class. And, yeah. um, I, you know, and I, as being a food service worker, you know, and starting from a dishwasher and working my way up to those things, it's not unnormal for any of that stuff. And my kinship is with people who, who work, um, yeah. and who work labor specifically. And I could start to see getting more research into, into, programs at school i got to research more individuals that have been interested in where your clay comes from where those types of things what's the practice of clay the 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 ideas that you know clay is not uh clay is a finite product 
You know, mm -hmm. it's not a sustainable product. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, clay might be, ceramics isn't. And so that's, yeah. again, one of those, oh. like, movements, right, of why, of some of the things that I do like and don't like about clay versus ceramics, or not do yeah. or don't like, but mm. why, I, why I make those, you know, those distinctions. distinctions. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But as I practiced, like, sort of through that stuff, and I, I was moving into different areas of exploring the food and the social justice programs, I wanted to see where those things aligned. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to see where labor practices aligned in the ceramics and the clay industry mm -hmm. and where they aligned in the food uh, policies and food practices industry. Okay. Uh, mostly because I felt a draw to both of those like really hardcore. I used a lot of clay. I saw a lot of clay being used in my life. Mm -hmm. I sold plates to restaurant workers or, or to uh, industry workers and to restaurants. And there was always a big sort of conversation about Handmade studio plates are so expensive. I could pay this much for these other plates, but then I would have to be like, yeah, but they're not being made. Maybe in the best practices or justifiable yeah. things. Yeah. But at that same time, I had to turn back and look at ourselves and be like, well, am I being the most justifiable? And what's my carbon footprint on this clay? Huh. What am I understanding where this clay comes from? Am I understanding that I, it didn't get dug up? In California but that it got processed in California and that all of those materials were mined from all over the world mm -hmm. right which maybe didn't have the best practices either you know so yeah am I being respectful for those types of things and in that same way I wanted to try to educate the restaurant people in the community that weren't educated about ceramics or clay and understand that some of those prices were justified for yeah, sure within yeah. those things because of those practices or because we were either being mindful um and then i wanted to educate the only other audience that i really had which was the <laughs> ceramics community yeah about food practices and not that all of them weren't like and you know known about types of things mm -hmm. but it would amaze you about how many people are understanding about like what goes through like uh, some celery that gets to their plate yeah. Or, you know, how many hands have to touch an apple before it gets to you? Or yeah. what, you know, the sort of huge water usage and labor that's inside their almond milk, you know? And so I don't want to be a bummer on people. I just want <laughs> people to, like, really just, you know, have a grander respect for the usage of these things that really, like, could, like dominate my life. I, yeah. You know, I love food and I love clay mm. and I want to see them around as much as I can and I want them shared with as many people as I can yeah um, but I also love just practices and I think yeah. that the world needs to have a lot more of those just practices yeah and I understand that I'm loud for a reason probably I was probably you know born loud for a reason <laughs> sometimes you know everybody has their different strengths when it comes to things and mine might be more on the sort of you know loquacious side of of the world and uh, yeah. i think that's a good thing i think that, i mean honestly i really do because i think especially because i feel like our generation you know i remember growing up with like oh yeah reduce reuse and recycle but it's like there's we've seen that there is i mean so there's so there's so much more that goes into that and i think what is important about being loud is that because there has been some progress made on like uh, or making people aware of how much environmentalism just in general is important mm -hmm. and but it's kind of like okay there's been some progress with that but there's all these other layers that it's like okay it's good that we've made some progress but like you know again how many people you know touch an apple before before it gets to market you know like what's yeah. the water usage there's all these other layers that go beyond just that initial like oh we need to be environmentally conscious you know so i think i'm i'm glad you're loud <laughs> <laughs> well, i appreciate that for yeah sure. yeah for sure. so you've You've done so many different things <laughs> and 
between, you know, because from what I remember looking up uh, on your CV, you know, you've, you've taught at a couple, you've been a studio manager at a couple like art institutions, you've, you've done a uh, serveware for crew, you've done, um, you know, the, the social sculpture, you've done so many different things. So what led you to wanting to open up Sac Seed, your, the studio here in Sacramento? Yeah. So I had consulted for uh, a lot of places and helped run um, some larger studios in the Bay Area mm -hmm. uh, after I graduated. And I was sort of getting more involved in teaching. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's kind of a natural progression after you graduate, you kind of pick up and start teaching a lot more. Yeah. Um, you know, either like you're in that role or that mode or, it's, you know, it's just you have access, you have accreditation with you now. Yeah. Right? Probably yeah. Probably more <laughs> the thing, right? Um, so I got to a point where I got to see a lot of the sides of that side of the sort of area when it came mm -hmm. to a privately and and even like um nonprofit uh sides of studios you okay know? yeah so it was definitely a different eye i had even though i had grown up coming through many different kinds of studios i was coming at it from the artist view of looking for a space to work okay and so i would do what i needed to do to make it happen help somebody help somebody as much as i could but you're mm -hmm. always a lot more turned inwards and so, you know, less things about knowing like what the paper towels cost or like what your oh. profit and losses are on clay yeah, or like any yeah. of that kind of shit, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's just like whatever. But you always get very emboldened in those times, even as like much as like you go through those years, like whatever, I could run a place like this. <laughs> and I remember that you yeah. had so many times and then like after you finally open one, you're like, ah, damn, dude, I just go kick my past self in the butt real quick. But, after opening and seeing a bunch of different sites from really large corporations that mm -hmm. came to market with 30-something wheels, yeah, multiple classes, wow. huge programs, uh, I got to getting good with some of them. Um, because of my food and beverage uh, background, actually, oh. a lot of the bread and butter with those places like would come from large events, from mm -hmm. outside groups, you know, maybe it was like, because we were in the Bay at that time, Facebook or Adobe or all oh. these things, they would have team building exercises or various things, they come in, they throw pots, it's like super fun. Any kind of a community studio-based thing, whether it's like rock climbing or, you know, anything that has a group sort of niche thing like that, mm -hmm. a lot of the times they make a bulk of their money to keep those operations open through one-time or party events. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. normal. Like, it's not the worst. Everybody just kind of sucks it up and it's like, okay, it's like, there's one of those things. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but it can be its own sort of, you know, marketing platform and it can mm -hmm. be its own sort of thing. So I got to see that side of the world, something that came from, you know, that used, that had people that were in charge of management and things that were from a financial background mm -hmm. and then would sort of, uh, work in tandem with a couple of, uh, more like expert qualities, ceramic people and that kind of okay. thing. So, you know, um, some would come in as consulting. I came in through as consulting for some things. Someone come in as like limited partnerships and help set up programs. I did some of that um, because of the food and beverage industry. I'd help set up the events programs like oh, for cool. people be like, oh, yeah, this is how you do things. We can also broker them with, you know, like some catering and we can set yeah. this stuff up. And so were you also were you still working uh, in the food industry during like yeah, currently? Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. yeah, for sure. I, I didn't really leave the food industry until probably like the pandemic. OK, yeah. OK. Yeah, I'd say maybe it was about a year before the pandemic. Like, I left it in the ways of, like, I used it. I, I could still be in it for fun. Mm -hmm. uh, it was uh, extra money or whatever. Not that yeah. there is extra money. Yeah. I don't have any extra money, <laughs> but, I mean, it was money that was, like, you know, I, I had more fun working. A little more of a cushion. Yeah. 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 Um, I wasn't less reliant on. And then after after uh, quarantine and everything, I fully just kind of was like, yo, I'm, I'm fine with going not going back. It's, yeah. It's been a long road on that side. And because I'm within my 
own practice of sort of merging the both things. And so it was, yeah. it was time to just like be on my own thing. So uh, when I got to do that and then I got to help a grassroots place sort of start up and and do their own thing and build that up and i watched that sort of build up from like four wheels to like 13 wheels oh and God. yeah help them uh, go out open a side place outside of that and, mm -hmm. and get that established mm -hmm. and set up operations and so i was getting a real feel for like sort of what i liked about things i liked engineering and it was a lot of things that i liked about clay right i yeah. liked to set up operations i like to see the thing work yeah um, i love taking things apart and putting them back together like yeah. fixing all that stuff and uh, my grandfather was a civil engineer and so like yeah i have definitely stuff like in that line bloodline or yeah train, trains yeah of thought when it may come to like that kind of thing mm -hmm. um so I, I liked that for sure. I liked operations and moving yeah. that stuff. I liked less of the other things like management or like, um, you know, marketing or like yeah, yeah. Um, financials. Gosh, the operations <laughs> part of it is so important though, because I think like, because that is often the most public facing side, like, you know, walking into a studio and kind of getting a sense of like, okay, does this work? Are things organized? Mm -hmm. Like, am I able to get the, like the attention that I need as a customer? It's just, anyway, all, all of those things are the, you know, what is it? It's like the, it's like a positive version of the third rail. It's yeah. like, does it work or does it not work? Yeah, you know? yeah. So I, that's, that's, yeah, having that background, that's, that's fantastic. Well, and I, yeah, and I think that, again, all of those things just started to inform each other. They were mm -hmm. all trainings that I had for my own life, but now that I got to own them as not being compartmentalized parts of my life, yeah, I really, it was in moments that I got to start to own the, to have ownership over my own, like, sort of identity as an artist. Mm -hmm. And so when it was hard, as I was going through when I said, no, I'm a sculptor, not a ceramicist. Or when I said, I'm a chef or a cook and not, or I'm a cook, not a chef. Or I'm, mm. you know, I'm a bartender, not a whatever. I don't know. It yeah. doesn't really, like, not a mixologist. Right, right, right. That's, right, right. that's the other term. <laughs> yeah. And so whatever points I was choosing on my things, and I had an art, another artist have to tell me, be like, yo, you just make shit. Why don't you just be an artist and then just be accepting with all the things that you do mm. as an artist? Because now you have free license to do whatever the <laughs> you want. And because more people expect that from artists, yeah. not from a dude who's like, no, I work as a cook, as a bartender, and then I also do this thing, and then yeah. I also do this thing. It's like, yeah. you're, just, you're just a maker, who, a guy who's an artist. So yeah. you're, whether you're doing design or figuring out logos, mm -hmm. setting up operations, like yeah. doing any of that stuff, it's all under that same umbrella. And so mm -hmm. when I got to get to that part in my life where I felt comfortable with just saying that I was an artist and these yeah. are the many facets of the things that I do with my art. Then all of this stuff started to feel a lot better. There's a lot oh. more confidence in those things. And as I set up stuff like my website yeah. or set up operations or any of these things, I got to impart all of these little parts that, you know, mm. were my art and started to make me feel good about yeah. like what I was creating, what I was doing. And then in a larger thing, when I got to step back from it, I was like, yo, this is a giant performance piece. Like this is a giant social sculpture of what I'm doing. And oh. what I'm using and doing is trying to get clay and use clay as a community agent, right? And yeah. so I'm trying to get people so into clay that they see how multifaceted and crazy it is, mm -hmm. how intercultural it is, you know, how it spans all over the world and the things mm -hmm. that it brings together and it's, uh, you know, abilities to do all this cool stuff. And oh. so that gets to be, you know, the vehicle for people to have bigger conversations. Yeah. You know, yeah. And have conversations about other shit that's, you know, that's important and stuff and mm -hmm. things. And so, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> if I wasn't already into Clay, I'd be like, sign me up. Oh, my God. You make it, oh, you make it sound so good. I love that. I love that. I mean, it, you make it sound good because it is good. Yeah. But I'm curious, what was the, like, 
when you say that it took you a while to feel comfortable with using the title as artist, what was the what was the resistance there with with that with that vocabulary change? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I I I think at some moment, I don't know. I don't know what I was resisting. Uh, I, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'll have to talk to the therapist about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I hear you on that, my <laughs> For dude. sure. I'm sure that one came for a deep oh level. Oh, my God. I don't know. I think maybe, maybe it was because it was a choice. Mm. Because it when I maybe it was when I thought that if I said I was an artist, then that meant I couldn't be these other things. And oh. so it was until I understood that being an artist was actually letting me all be of all of these things. things. Yeah. I think it was just that shift. I think yeah. my still thoughts of art were stuck under a, another compartmentalized mm. thing that didn't allow me to be other stuff or do other things. And then I think there was just a small sense of just like, I felt a little cheese, like... I'm an artist. Like, oh. <laughs> or like maybe I didn't feel like I, you know, I don't know. It just didn't feel quite earned yet, or something. Or like yeah. I had, I don't know. It, it didn't feel quite earned in a probably in like a imposter syndrome style. Yeah, like, yeah. Because right? I like, think it's pretty clear that you have put in your. I mean, literally your entire life, you're saying, oh, there's all these different elements of who you are coming together in this this giant yeah social sculpture i love that it's been nice oh it's been God. it's been nice to be able to have a lot of just self re uh, reassurance when it comes to those moments and stuff and mm -hmm. the past couple years have been good for that i mean we'll say four years have been good for that <laughs> <laughs> past Sounds four, good. Years, four years have good. been good for that um, yeah. obviously things have had to take a little bit of a hiatus through all the craziness and stuff but yeah you know i i've been lucky that the things that i've been trying to champion as far as you know, social justice with uh, marginalized communities mm -hmm. within the arts community and then um, just sort of food policy and social justice through labor and comes mm -hmm. in that practice are things that are on more of the highlight in the coming moments, like within the last uh, year or two, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. And so as far as been lucky that I've been able to, that it's been voiced a lot more. So I'm glad that those things have been, have been come up and I'm yeah. writing right behind that. So I'm able to use whatever platform that I have to be able to champion that and and uh, it coming through with a real strong voice to know mm. that I've been championing it for a little while. Yeah, you know? and yeah. So um, that that part feels nice that more people are, are being aware of, mm. of that kind of stuff, you know. And yeah. it's it's really interesting because of the pandemic, a lot more artists of color and specifically ceramic artists of color have been able to find each other because oh. people have been. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but this is a thing that a lot of ceramic mm. artists of colors have been talking about for a minute because a lot of things have gone online and a lot of people had switched into, you know, promoting themselves more online, those mm -hmm. things we've all been able to see a lot more. Oh. And so there is a, an interesting juxtaposition where there's one part of the conversation where people are saying, oh, yo, look at all these dope artists of color coming out and stuff. But then there's all these artists of color going, yo, we've been here. Like, mm. we, we've been out here for a long time. Like, yeah. I'm stoked that everybody, some or more types of people are starting to see all of us. But the lineage of artists of color, is we, you know, they've been, they've been in there. Yeah. And so that's, I think, where I saw that happening. I saw how interested I was in operations. I had moved back to Sacramento uh, to, for some work, I was uh, on hold for a residency program that I was going to do, and then I was um, making work for a show at Root Division that was going to happen. That was happening at mm -hmm. that time, um, and I was looking for a studio. Okay. And so, as I was looking for a studio, and I was back in Sac, I I was honestly like just a little bummed in the fact mm -hmm. that like I didn't see that a lot of stuff had changed since I had left, like in the ten years prior when it came to accessing spaces like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, not. 
only just because of like sort of COVID restrictions and things, but just in general, like it was just, it was still pretty restrictive. Yeah. Um, and it was still, you know, a, a coveted and a very kind of like who you know kind of spot. And mm -hmm. that was a bummer. It was a bummer to see. Um, it was a bummer to see after coming from a bubble like the Bay. Yeah. And that had all of these specific so champion much. programs for types of things. And, yeah. and, you know, and there's a huge, huge ceramics community in Oakland and in San Francisco. And mm -hmm. they've been going on for a long, long time. So they have a deep lineage, you know. And not that uh, uh, Sacramento doesn't. Sacramento has a very deep lineage in itself. Yeah. But I'd like to see things like Ruby's, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with Ruby's. It's a very old nonprofit um, studio in San Francisco that's been around for a very long time. Huh. I want to say at least 60 years. Okay, a little wow. Older. Um, and yeah, and, and they're like in the Castro or something like that. They're very, they champion, awesome studio. Um, but you know, see, or, or the Berkeley Potter studio, you know, seeing something that is like the, as, as famous and infamous like the Berkeley Potter studio. I'd love to see that here, you yeah. know, something that is, is established for the community and help using those things and. I know uh, when I came back, like ACAI is doing really good stuff. Yeah. When it comes to those things, Alpha's always been championing stuff for a long time and yeah. having their spots. Verge um, is doing more, which is one of the reasons that we interviewed them for the for the podcast. But yeah, it was interesting. Like other than other than Alpha and Verge, I couldn't really think of. I mean, and then again, and then finding out about your yeah, studio. Yeah, yeah, um, and, but yeah. But yeah, we really don't, all things considered, have that much that is available and also you know again available at a certain price because you know there's certain the the financial restrictions are, are real and if yeah. there's not like a relatively low bar to entry to start getting involved then yeah. you're always gonna tend to get like a certain kind of clientele just yeah. because it's like okay if you have the money to do this then the the access anyway. the access points for the medium are funneled yeah and so the thing is is when i came in i know from having all my years of knowledge and even when i first started you know when mm -hmm. i was into it as a 14 year old kid who lived in the hood yeah. I worked with a fucking block of clay on my desk, cut it with a speaker wire and used a pocket knife, you know, and sh ran that stuff to school and yeah. fired it there. And yeah. So you can build in whatever situation that mm -hmm. you need to build, you know, but it's about creating a nice, a good space that is, yeah. that is welcoming to be able to have creative area, right? Mm -hmm. And when you have to pile on millions of things like, you know, I can't drive there or I have to drive there, I can't take the bus. Yeah. It's just quite out of price range. There, you know, is strange community there's things that make me feel uncomfortable whatever the thing may mm -hmm. be you know then all of a sudden you squeeze all the way into that and now you're left with a very minuscule amount of you know feeling good about that creative space yeah and so i i wanted to make somewhere that i could open up that funneling as much uh -huh. as i can and have a space that looked a little bit more like the stuff that i represented and the mm -hmm. stuff that i felt comfortable in I didn't think I was the only one that like wanted to do that or have a space that was like that, that felt maybe a little bit uncomfortable in some of the, the more restrictive like sort of communities when it came uh. to those things. So when I looked around, I couldn't see, I was like, dude, I live downtown. I don't drive like mm -hmm. I, as a, for specifics reasons, you know, I mean, I, I just, I don't like cars that much, you know, I try yeah. to be a low carbon footprint as much as I can, for real. Um, yeah. but you know, I like traveling within the city and public transportation. You know, mm -hmm. I come from humble means of people that, you know, ride bikes and take trains in and yeah, stuff. And yeah. so as a college student or as a high school student, that's the only way I was going to travel with any of those things. And so I, I just said, you know, there needs to be a space that is able to have access and mm -hmm. then access as much points as we possibly can. And yeah. so having a space downtown, having a space with four walls and a roof that has AC, you know, oh, and heat. Yes. Right? Having, oh. having, a clean, having a clean bathroom. 
like things like that, you know, that are minimal asks you think, but people outside the ceramics community probably don't understand. But within it, yeah, like, <laughs> within it, we're like, it's got AC and yeah. heating. What? Yeah, right. And and I understand that. Like I understand all of that stuff. You yeah, know? yeah. And and having a place where you know, like, you see people that look like you making, mm-hmm. and and in a bigger realm, having a comfortable place to have conversation, and that's um, and that's like the bigger thing is that. Because a lot of conversation needs to be had in these moments, like right now. Mm. There's a lot to talk about. Yeah. And not talking about this stuff is 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 not necessarily the side of things that I, I rely on, you know? Yeah. And yeah. my idea or my, my journey for Seed and for its sort of peace or what's going on with that is a place where there is community activism, where there's community action. Mm-hmm. It's not a place specifically where somebody wants to go and get away from their things. It can be. There's always headphones. There's always yeah. area for you to, like, create your stuff. But as an open studio of dialogue, and you know, I know that good art or nice art or well-intentioned, uh, conceptualized art comes mm-hmm. from bigger conversations and stuff, yeah. you know? And I want people to come. Some of the first conversations that were had with some of the first people that worked in work trade for us were, they were asking me about the censorship policies within my... Um, studios and I was like excuse me like we don't have since uh, you know well let's wait like let's talk about this yeah, and see yeah. you know there was a, an area where somebody was you know protesting uh, a colonizer and it was offending people amongst oh, the studio no. and uh, you know they weren't they're asked to not to not do that anymore and so it was like I we can't have that like mm. that's that's not it that's not a thing and so you know we're gonna make room for all of that stuff like yeah and that's specifically the types of things that you know i want to champion like 100 percent. i want to champion open voice i want to champion yeah. hard conversations like that you know yeah. and i want to make sure that those are being talked to you know i have if i have to tell deb i love deb she's a great person but if i have to tell her we listen to kendrick lamar and here like we listen to kendrick lamar like, yeah another yeah. song will come on um but you know to some people in some communities that is cathartic for us like yeah. that is the stuff that we want We've been told to turn down our music and change mm-hmm. that many times, you know. Mm-hmm. We can work things out. It's a welcoming space for everybody. But that's <laughs> yeah. the thing. Is it starts with the people with the marginalized communities first. Yeah. And then it moves outwards in the other ways. And so, yeah. you know, my bigger idea with doing that was trying to create a space that, that was that. That was creating enough welcoming area and mm-hmm. enough enough open area for people to, to, to not feel stifled. Yeah, yeah. So in terms of the structure of how the studio works, do people come in and rent like a specific like space? Is it like an open studio type of thing where people can come in, hop on any wheel and then, you know, dip or like how does the, how, how does that like how is the structure of for sure? Of, yeah. How does that how does that for work? Sure. So like, I, for folks who might be interested in like checking it out. Well, yeah. And in like a larger area, I've always wanted to I, well, I wanted to share as much clay knowledge as I can with people. Mm-hmm. And so from the start, it was about clay, culture, community, and if I can sprinkle some culinary love in there, then that's like <laughs> that's all the that's all the spots that seeds like about. Yeah. So in the within the sort of lessons as we teach and we learn things, at the beginning I was kind of didactic about it, but now, um, I've definitely backed off like as it's on going through and, um, and understood that just like when knowledge kind of gets passed down, especially cultural knowledge and things that I want people to absorb in a grander scheme, you know, I can 
teach you about a marbling effect, but I'd love to show you or tell you about where it comes from as far as an agate ware or things that like, you know, it may have indigenous roots yeah. of from other cultures, you know, um, in types of those areas or what one form uh, is really reminiscing or, or replicating from another form or mm -hmm. where cobalt comes from or, you know, the different parts of, of, of porcelain and its lineage of things, you know, and so... But when people are first learning how to like center, it's kind of, it's kind of a lot. <laughs> it's got, yeah, I could, I, I hear that. I it's, hear yeah, that. It's a lot to take in. So yeah. now I just kind of, we try to do it in really soft forms. Yeah. Um, and so as, as we're going through, you know, we, uh, we just implemented it in, I kind of do it like once a day. Yeah. When I see that question come up, like, Hey, here's your cultural knowledge for the day. Yeah. Here's your cultural <laughs> knowledge for the day. Um, but there's, uh, three ways, three, three or four ways to take classes. So we have one times mm -hmm. where people can just sort of drop in and take single sessions and that's geared towards like the just the sort of like if you want to try it out mm -hmm. if you're curious um or uh people who want to do like birthday parties or rent out events or that kind of stuff gotcha sure. yeah. it's a really nice space and it's in midtown and yeah. because i do come from food and beverage i do recognize like all of that stuff and yeah. so anybody who wants to rent out the space in itself and stuff we definitely have things and because I do food and beverage, you mm -hmm. know, there's always beautiful catering options within any of that stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which is a part where now when I cook for people and I do events like that or I work for that stuff, it's great because I get to talk about how it's just another part of my art that I make. So now yeah. I get to make art pieces for people within these types of like realms and these things and I don't mm -hmm. feel so beholden or whatever to a, a nomenclature of a catering package or, you know, yeah. everything. It's just like, no, this is my art piece for your event and yeah. that's what we got. Oh, <laughs> I love that. Is, you yeah, know? yeah. Um, and so I can take from some of the commercial aspects around, out of that, out of the situation, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, and let it be an experience again for them. Yeah. Which is yeah. nice. So, um, so yeah, you can rent parties. It's uh, single session prices and all that stuff, all the various prices. Um, and then we do four week classes. Mm -hmm. So I really wanted to set up a program and it was a program that I took from something that I had developed while I was living in the Bay Area and helping mm -hmm. um, uh, a grassroots studio start up in there um, uh, in the Mission Artillery uh, oh, is the yeah. name of them. Um, and then we had sort of worked out various areas, but uh, basically we do uh, one class each week, mm -hmm. um, starting with rowing and centering, uh -huh. and then the second week is trimming and hand building, mm -hmm. and then the third week is sort of, you know, it's their free day to implement all those things, and then yeah. fourth week is glaze. And throughout that entire 30 days, they have access to the studio the oh, entire cool. time. Yeah. Wow. So they can come in and practice whatever they want to do. That's and, a good deal, yeah, dude. Like, wow. Sure, yeah. Oh, my God. Like I said, I, I want people to access the studio, you know? Yeah. It's, the place is not, it's, you know, like, it's a thing. It's its thing. It's a vibe. <laughs> yeah. It's, a, yeah. it's a vibe in there, you know? Yeah. It's a fucking vibe. Um, but it's there for to have conversation. It's there to, yeah. to create. It's there to talk about all the cool stuff about clay and culture mm -hmm. and, you know, so I want people to come in and practice. And I think that's one of the bigger parts of the curriculum in and itself, which can be hard for some people mm. um, in the ways that they like to learn. But I teach in a, like, you gotta, you gotta mess up to learn. Yeah. And I think a lot of ceramics people who are in it for a while do understand those parts of the things. Yeah. When we're marketing things like education or, or learning aspects and stuff, it can get kind of a bumpy road because you know, it's hard to tell somebody you're going to be your your own teacher, kind of, but I'll be there to guide you and spot you, like, as yeah, things go. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, 
the people who like it stay, the mm. people who don't, you know, find it for what it is and then and then either go. But, you know, I want to make sure that everybody gets set up with foundations and has the open-ended areas to fail as much as they can. Because, yeah. you know, you know, we learn so much from ceramics by failing. So true. It's the best, like, yeah. in that way, right? It's the only way you can be, it's one of the only things that I ever could feel so gratified from, <laughs> like, failing. It's like, well, yeah. at least I know not to do that again. Yeah, In a yeah. real way. Um, oh, my God. So, yeah, we have that. And then we have membership and residency. Um, mostly the membership is like sort of intertwined with an intermediate sort of like real two classes. Okay. So we kind of move them from the initial four week classes where everybody shares like a big shape. So they're about mm -hmm. 20, no wait, four, eight, they're, uh, 12, 12 spots for the, um, the wheel one. Okay. And then eight spots for the intermediate. Mm -hmm. Um, and we do the intermediate or level two, like. They meet twice a week, so they okay. have a, like a longer sort of outcome, and that's where we sort of blend the the things that they've been working on. You know, we'll do like ongis, like kimchi jars, right? Yeah, like, yeah, and yeah. so we'll blend like coiling technique with throwing and, and building up, and, yeah. then, and then taking it off the wheel, or like two pieces and bringing them together, mm -hmm. or you know, various ways Some to more gain like height. intermediate techniques. Yeah, because yeah. you have to build them to get to that point, right? Yeah, and when it comes to people who are more experienced at that point. People are either looking at your studio to be like, are you going to be around for a minute? Or are you uh, going to like, uh, you know, what types of workshops or longer ended workshops may you might may not do? Yeah. Or they're within their own sort of practice. And so they're just mm -hmm. like not, you know, like seeing you. So usually like a lot of the level twos and when you have advancement within the studio, I, I've noticed that it comes from like being built within the studio, which is everything that like I definitely wanted because everybody is within that sort of tone and that culture of like, how we're all doing because we run yeah. a dry studio there as much as we can so we recycle oh man almost like 90 percent of all the clay waste out of everything that's awesome um, which is not weird to like say to other ceramics people yeah like, i know i mean we get it i mean you see that we biggest have, yeah, pile of yeah we all have our slot buckets and yeah. stuff but i think what's what's good and one of the ideas with seed is to make sure that i pass that knowledge very hardcore mm -hmm. to the student and so that when the first thing that they understand when they come in is that the clay has been labored for, it's laborious, it's a it's a finite product, it yeah. deserves respect, mm -hmm. and then this is how we reconstitute it and we do these things, and this is yeah. what happens throughout the process. So it's nice, everybody gets to be on the same terms. We also taper their water, so we don't, uh -huh. uh, we they get their water all from a single source, uh -huh. as opposed from the sink or whatever, and then I monitor how much that source gets filled. Uh -huh. So I get to know each week, like how much water we use each week. Uh -huh. Great. It's pretty dope. We only use about eight quarts a day, actually. Wow. For a studio of like f almost forty something. Ooh. Yeah, with like twenty four members and like and twenty four students. Dude, that's that's great. Yeah, it's that, like eight yeah. to twelve, eight to twelve quarts a day we use. It's pretty cool. <laughs> it's wow. Pretty, yeah, that is like. It's oh pretty my insane. God. So it all starts with the beginnings of the knowledge, like for them, yeah. you know. So I try to train them when they're at the beginning to 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 dry to throw. <laughs> Throw dry. Throw dry. Yes. Yes. To throw dry. <laughs> or within the like areas that they can. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, whenever we teach, we try to teach like in a more of a philosophy and less mm -hmm. of a of a mimic. Yeah. Um, which has its ways. Mm -hmm. It's not always everybody's learning tea. Um, and if we need to get there, then I'll demo and we'll do things or I'll yeah. go over hand positions and stuff. Yeah. But I really try to get everybody to understand the physics of it uh, and get that kind of aha moment when they find where the clay starts sinking for them and rising yes, for them. Yes. So I, I teach them cone up and cone down like immediately the first day and mm -hmm. I drill it into them like really hardcore. Yeah. Production pottery style. Cut it off, do it again, cut it off, do it again, yes. cut it off, do it again. Yes. So by the time they get to their end of the like two hours at the beginning, they're like, oh my God, I pulled this <laughs> you know? I said it this thing, which is great. Yeah. 
because confidence is boosted, right? Mm -hmm. And then they're in there and they're doing stuff and they're making, um, but yeah, when nobody, I guess when you don't create open-ended, well, I, I don't know. I think it's just the information. When I give yeah. them the information and I, and you know, I let them know what's happening. This is what we're doing. Use as much water as you want, but this is where it is at the end, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Well, it's just, it's, it sounds like it's just really bringing that to the forefront of, yeah. of the knowledge. Because, I mean, it is like, it is like ceramics or, or clay, I guess, is compared to some other materials, it's not as bad as some other things. But it's also like, yeah, no, the water aspect of it, especially in California, yeah. is so important. And it's not like, oh, God, it drives me crazy at the uh, community college where I vol well, used to volunteer in the before times, uh, just seeing folks just get rid of water so much. I'm just like, oh my God, it drives me crazy. So I, I think it's really, it's yeah. good that you're focusing on that. And it might be like, a specific California, like to us. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, like, from <laughs> California for sure. It's like, because I tell some of the other like East Coast artists yeah. that I know and stuff, they're like, what? Yeah, like, <laughs> what's the big deal? Why would I care how much water I use each day? I'm like, okay, guy, we'll, uh, we'll get there. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. We'll go yeah. over there sometime. But yeah, for, oh at least, for at least other Californians, we can all know be proud that I'm yes <laughs> yes definitely i'm using definitely. very minimal and working on uh, a filtering <laughs> processor program where i can reuse the top water that we pull off yeah from the other stuff too yeah we try to water the plants as much as we can uh, mm. and do what we can with it but that's um, good yeah. that's good so so what is uh what is seed doing for Insika and what are you doing for Insika? oh yeah yeah <laughs> um so i got really lucky uh to be one of the uh one of the speakers Congratulations. So, That's awesome, dude. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's it's really cool in the ways, too, that uh, in generally I'm mostly just speaking about my work and, like, what I've done <laughs> yeah, um, as yeah. opposed to, like, a specific topic. Mm -hmm. um, but I guess my work has really been geared towards a specific topic. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it is surreal in those two ways, I mm -hmm. guess, because I'm, I'm talking about my work and what I'm doing, but in a grander sense, I'm trying to talk about food access, mm. how to use clay and food as community agents and bait yeah. to, to sort of get in a, a grander audience mm. uh, to talk about harder issues when it comes to, you know, access, labor rights, yeah. uh, justice systems, you know, these sort of grander things. Um, in a specific seed is, it's, I mean, it's one of my cooler sculptures, I guess I could say, you know, and you know, it's definitely an art piece yeah. that um, I'm presenting to Insika mm -hmm. um, in its entirety from all the things that we were talking about as yeah. it being a place for community engagement for the hard topics and, you know, mm -hmm. and the good topics um, for it to be a center for food knowledge um, uh, and community and access. You know, we try to keep fresh fruits and things there and all mm -hmm. kinds of stuff. And it's for the, you know, for everybody. I, I don't want any of the students who, can barely afford to have a studio space to like, you know, not be hungry. So we yeah. try to make sure that all of those things are there because those mm. are things that, you know, we all really champion. Um, but, you know, it's way in implementing culture to the dry studio aspect of it, just all the way around and, and a fuller thing. Uh, I myself would like to see, or I see it as just sort of being almost like a proof of concept uh, into a, a, a sort of grander sort of program um, uh. that may or may not be realized like later. Um, but at least like right now, it's got a very cool stage and, and pedestal like on itself. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll just, we'll be talking about seed um, and see, what is it? Two weeks from now almost? Or like yeah, two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So super excited. Super crazy. It's in sack, right? I like, know. I know. <laughs> I, oh my gosh. I'm just still, I find it so funny because, so Dante and I, we're going to go to um, the Inseca 
what was it, uh, that was going to be in Richmond. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the pandemic hit. Yeah. So we didn't go. So it's so funny because I feel like, you know, on the one hand, I, I'm, you know, I want to go to Inseca, like, almost like a con goer, like, wide eyes, like, this is my first time, I've never done this yeah. before, but it's also like, oh, but I, I'm, like, a part of the host city, so I'm, yeah. I, like, I need to be involved in these other things, so I'm, I'm doing, like, a, a couple clay camps through, through Verge, oh, cool. and I have, I have a piece in uh, a show in the, I guess it's going to be in the convention center itself, mm-hmm. but yeah, but it's funny, because it's like, I'm like, you know, you, you've done Inseca before, like, I don't know, what, what advice would you give to someone who's, you know, it's their first time, you know, maybe like, I mean, cause I'm going to be buying a ticket, but also the tickets are really expensive. Yeah. So it's like for someone who is getting the ticket, what would you recommend? And for someone who isn't able to afford a ticket, but still wants to be involved in, you know, maybe checking out gallery shows or something like, what, what would you recommend for the, the new Inseca goer? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, if anybody's like first going to the Inseca, I definitely say look into the volunteer program. Mm. Like mm-hmm. that's definitely helped me out in many situations of going to many different Inseca's. Okay. Uh, the volunteer program is really cool. You put in a few hours, you get free access for the rest of the day. It's super chill. Um, I, I'm pretty sure they still have some sign-ups open. They usually fill up really fast, so mm. definitely like look into that as soon as you can mm-hmm. when it comes to that. Outside of that, yes, one of the most pivotal things is to see all the artwork in the outside and, and sort of diaspora of that. Yeah. And if you can travel, travel, because everybody's having shows right now from San Francisco all the way to Sacramento to yeah. Napa and everywhere. I think that that was sort of something that I know that Inseca had, it was kind of a crazy, like, wide-eyed view for Inseca to, to yeah. grasp. Most of the cities that Inseca comes into, their community is is in a sort of uh, a tight-knit circle, mm. whereas Northern California or Sacramento's Inseca is spanning a, like, a, <laughs> a huge, huge area, right? Yeah. professional artists and great ceramics communities that are going, like I said, from Napa to the Bay to here. Um, and they're all pumped and ready and putting up their new shows and stuff. So anybody yeah. who's, yeah, who's not, check it out. You can always look at the Inseca website and check out to see what galleries are showing and, mm-hmm. like, within those sort of, like, stops. There's also, like, renegade people that are just doing stuff because they know that, like, everybody's going to come. Yeah. So yeah. check out check out lots of that stuff. If you do get to get a ticket uh, or go to any of the things... Demos are always super fun, oh, for sure. Okay. Um, the opening lecture is like the one t- to go to. Like, okay. And Siga does a great job of picking like very inspiring people on the opening days, um, and you get to really see some legendary people sometimes too. Um, like there's a really really legendary social activist that's speaking for this first one. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and then I got to see like Jerry Saltz like one time. Okay. Who's, like a, a really hardcore art critic. Um, <sighs> Yeah, there's just like, so go to the first show, see that. Definitely go to Sue Bean's talk on Thursday <laughs> at 5. Yes, Thursday uh, at 5. No, but, um, and then uh, try to see the emerging artists. The emerging yeah. artists is the one to go to for sure. Um, and then the party. Yeah. Oh, because they was, tell me about the party. Yeah, the, tell party. Me about the party. No, definitely go about the party. I mean, there's a, if you get a ticket and you, and I either, I forget if it's, if you're a full pass holder or you get a ticket for that day, but there's a party, I think it's on Friday. Huh? Yeah. And that's, like, always, like, legendary, like, the the party. It's usually a dance party, and I heard oh. this year they're going to do something, like, a little bit different. Oh, because, right, because of COVID? Just to not, like, encourage as much heavy breathing. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, that makes sense. That so makes sense. So I think it's uh, more, it's going to be a little bit more of, like, a show. Okay. So, uh, But from what I hear, it's pretty cool. Oh. Um, so, yeah, party, emerging artists, demos, and then really just, like, take it all in, because it's, like... <gasps> 
it's way more than you can even process in a generality. Oh. Take take plenty of photos because you're definitely mm. not going to remember everything you saw. Yeah, um, I'm sure. Look out for some. There's some good colleges out there too. Like I'd say that's another great part. If you're somebody that's coming in who's a budding artist um, or looking within the thing, mm-hmm. check out your perspective places that like you may or may not like feel like you have uh, you know an idea of like of going to. If yeah. A lot of times you can trace artists that you, maybe you like or you have inspiration from and just go check their website, see mm-hmm. if you can see where they got their MFA or where they got educated at. And check out their ceramics program or check yeah. out ceramics programs that maybe you've heard of. You mm-hmm. know, Alfred, Kansas City's really good. Arkansas yeah. is cool. Washington's dope. Mm-hmm. Long Beach. All these places are have really, really, like, pivotal CCA. They all yeah. got really dope-ass programs. And, yeah. you know, what's cool is you get, a, a, you get to see a sense of, like, what those programs have a little bit more of an emphasis on. You know, mm-hmm. some programs mm-hmm. have a little bit more of an emphasis on material knowledge maybe more craftsmen and industrialization when it comes to that you know uh, some practices have more of an education knowledge okay yeah uh, yeah. or emphasis some are are, you know have a fine arts emphasis and they're really stretching the bounds and you're like what is this (laughs) what is this piece of wood in the middle of a corner of a room doing this ceramics thing but that's what's so cool about play yeah is that you can do that You can totally do that. Yes, um, yes. So yeah, yeah. Just check out those programs. Yeah. And have all the fun, dude. Talk to all the people. I say like that's uh-huh. one of the like outside of all the bullshit that I just said, like <laughs> talk talk to the people. Like yeah. talk to everybody. Cause this is like one of the few times that when you bore your friends with all like the excitement and giddiness that you get over a crazy glaze uh-huh. or a new mud tool or like any <laughs> of this shit. You finally get to be with people, like multiple people that yeah. are surrounded and just as excited to hear about all of those things. <gasps> all of your fires, yes. all of your stuff. Yeah, it's going to go clay dork fest. Oh I love God. it. Yeah, it's the best. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. <sighs> it's very cool. It's very cool. Go to all the places. Yeah, go to all the places of all the things. And enjoy the sack food and beverage community, to be quite yeah. honest. Yeah, yeah. If you're, if you're not familiar with the downtown area, those things, mm. like there's... Top notch food. Yes. Sue Bean recommends all the way around. Yes. Yeah. And go to go to crew. Yeah. They will see they will see your server. You know, it's funny actually. So my, my boyfriend and I have gone to crew the last couple of years for our anniversary. Mm-hmm. And I I'm always like looking at the ceramics and being like, this is so cool. Who does this? And they, they weren't able they they gave me the information of, of where they get some of their cups from, but the plates that you made, I'm like, these are really unique. So when I when I was researching you and I'm like, oh my god, these are the plates. Like, <laughs> this is it. I literally got talked to my boyfriend. I was like, Cody, Cody, look at this. This is that's some of the people i mean things like that so i have i have plates in, in a few of the other places for sure uh but that's that was where i got to build that conversation and like mm-hmm. build that stuff is i got to have because i came up through the ranks and worked with those chefs yeah. since we were all from the beginning um as a server or a bartender you know mm-hmm. or like sweeping or mopping or doing dishes for all these people mm-hmm. all of these people now have you know i mean now we're all old so i guess that happens <laughs> when you get old but you know they have award-winning restaurants and i you know we get to make get to make work for them and have bigger conversations about this stuff and mm-hmm. i get to start to educate them about like we were saying before you know some of those prices are justified yeah you know yeah. and then when you have uh you know dope people like that representing you then uh, other chefs start to recognize and see, you know, and so it just sort of like plants that seed, if you will. Oh, <laughs> oh, it comes full circle. Oh my gosh. Well, 
Subin, thank you so much for coming to the Mud Peddlers. I will include all of uh, Sue's information in below. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for having this conversation. No problem. Thank you for having me. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs>